Hi there, my name's Sean O'Brien and I'm podcasting to you from the Tulsa studios of MasterPTSD.com. Post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, is a whole person issue. I'm acknowledging that when the horrors of war or personal traumatic events coincide with unhealthy influences, there is a creation of fear and anxiety and sometimes depression. Our survival instincts compel us to fight or flee, but what are we actually fighting? What in the world are we fleeing from? At times, after the danger has passed, some people continue to relive those devastations. PTSD is not only for members of the military. PTSD extends to anyone that has endured a shocking or frightening or prolonged abusive experience. My question to you is, how does the Bible speak to these overwhelming situations. Hey, let's start today with Proverbs 4, 20-25. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my teachings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to their whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for it flows the springs of life. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Why is this important? Why is it important to guard what we put in our hearts? Why is this so hard to do? Our heart, I suppose in this sense, is speaking of our feelings of love and desire and also dictates to a great extent how we actually live. This is because we will always find time to do what we enjoy. King Solomon, the wisest man ever, I suppose, is describing to us how guarding our hearts is the highest priority. He's saying that we must make sure that we spend our time thinking about things and desires that will keep us on the right path. This also pertains to the affections that we have and we need to make sure that they also are leading us in the right direction. It's really difficult to put boundaries on our desires. That's our nature. Obviously, We shouldn't go after everything that seems attractive. The common sense answer is that we absolutely must keep our eyes locked on a goal and not get distracted. Otherwise, we will ultimately fail or worse, sin. So what are you focusing on? You're listening to this, so probably not all good things, right? It is a walk and don't get discouraged, but a change in perspective might just help. If it were true, Well, I should say, what if it were true? If a raven or a bird is giving all of its food that it needs to live by, freely by God God, and independently of its own effort. You know, as men and women who have been through an event, it's almost impossible not to build walls and protective barriers. But regardless of our event, God still challenges us not to worry. 
He challenges us to have faith in Him to provide for us. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, look at how the early Jews utterly failed this test over and over. I apologize if you're a Jew listening. It's not meant to offend, but this is a good example. It tells us how God literally made bread and fowl or bird meat fall out of the sky. And just enough so that the people would have just enough. They wouldn't have to store anything up. The Jews put their faith in their own ability to collect and store instead of God's daily providence. And guess what? There were consequences. They and us today are not identifying themselves as perfect in His sight, made in His image, and started measuring their existence based on the actions and the thoughts of others. Have you noticed that every single time we rely on ourselves and leave God out of the situation, that the wheels come off? Maybe you've never known a different existence than pain. If that's the case, and it, I know it's hard, but maybe you can just adjust your thinking. Maybe it's time to consider God. I personally dare you to do it. And I also personally promise that he will run to you the very moment that that thought passes your lips. So where's your treasure? Is it the next sale, next paycheck, the next vacation? Is it the next party? The next relationship? Is it the next fix? The next hit? Believe it or not, all of these examples are exactly the same. And it's simply because none of them are focused on Christ and His love for you. Think about His love and His sacrifice that He did just for you. If you don't know yet, He came here to conquer death and open the gates of heaven just for you. He died to take on all of the sins of the world, yours and mine. If this is difficult to understand, it's okay. But have you ever heard reference to something called a scapegoat? I'm sure you have. It came from early parts of the Bible. A scapegoat is a person or a group that is made to bear blame for others. According to the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, a priest would confess all of the sins of all of the Israelites over the head of a goat and then drive it into the wilderness, symbolically bearing their sins away. It's kind of like that, only Jesus is the priest and we are all his chosen people. And it is absolutely not symbolic. If you've ever heard washed in the blood of the lamb or anything like that, it's generally going to be a reference back to this. But that's the concept. Given a mindfulness of Jesus' sacrifice for you and for me, try to emulate that love, if you can, for all people, regardless of what they've done to you, regardless of what they look like, regardless of anything. Just look at them with love. In the same way that all of those examples from before are exactly the same, the converse to love is also true. All of the events and people that have hurt you and all of the pain 
It just isn't important anymore. None of it matters. You have to know and you have to remember love covers a multitude of sin. You also need to remember that when the accuser, Satan, begins whispering your past sins to you, hoping to take all of your hope away, hoping to keep you locked up and diminished, just remember that Jesus has already won. You are a child of the Most High God created in His image. You are not your sin. And from that authority, you can actually ask your accuser, your accuser, who is left to condemn me? And because of Jesus' love and his sacrifice for you, you can say, no one. Our Father in heaven has already said it. He said it to the prostitute just before she was going to be stoned to death. He said, who is left to condemn you, woman? And she said, no one. <laughs> he said, well, I don't condemn you either. Get up. Go. Sin no more. All I'm saying is keep him in your heart. Guard your heart. Focus on him. Your life will change and you will heal. for joining me today as always. If you have any questions, comments, prayers, or any topic requests, send them my way. I'm always available on Instagram or Facebook at master.ptsd. Go to www.masterptsd.com, read the notes, support the effort, give me a review, spread the word, and share. May the peace of Christ and the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit be upon you and your families. One life lost to suicide is too many. Talk soon.